Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning at verse 28, and I will be reading from the New International Version. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had, sent, they had seen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the, of the Lord. Praise, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you, hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, good morning, church, and hello to those joining online as well. It's great to be in worship with you here today as we enjoy this Palm Sunday, the beginning of the Passion Week and Holy Week. As we're here, I do want to just mention to you uh, a couple different things. Uh, first of all is that you probably noticed we were waving some palm branches earlier. Of course, you're always welcome to take those home, but I do want to let you know we're going to be some, doing something different this year, and that is, is that traditionally the church has taken these palm branches and uh, taking them home, what's traditionally done is you take these and somebody takes them and burns them and makes the ashes for Ash Wednesday for the next year. Uh, we haven't done that in a long time. We've just bought ashes. Uh, but David Bropes is going to take those and do that for us. So on the way out, be sure if you don't want to want to take them home and put them somewhere, that's fine. But if you're not, be sure to dump, uh, place them instead of in the trash can in one of these receptacles so that we can actually do that and have those available next year for Ash Wednesday. That would be fantastic. Second thing I want to let you know about uh, is that um, we do have some upcoming services, so in case those that are at home that uh, didn't get a chance to hear about them, we want to just remind you that we do have a Living Last Supper, which is a, a basically a, a retelling, if you will, of the Last Supper meal and the disciples and remembering a lot of what Jesus' life had accomplished. That's going to be at 7 p.m. It's going to be a great time. Come on by. And then also Good Friday service is going to be 7 p.m. as well on Friday. And then on Easter morning, we have a 7 a.m. service. It's going to be a sunrise service, a breakfast at 8.30, Sunday school hour as normal, and then, of course, our 10.30 service as well with Junior Church. And then afterwards, oh, yes, an Easter egg hunt, weather permitting on our lawn, and we'll have one for the little kids and one for the bigger kids as well. Uh, but if not, we'll do it down in our fellowship hall as well. So we hope you feel invited to that. One very important mention to that is that uh, we do have, unfortunately, the elevator is down and out. And so uh, if you do plan on attending, just be prepared for that. 
We do not expect it to be available for Easter Sunday and just wanted to make sure that you are aware of that before you make your plans. Uh, but we do hope to see you anyways. It's worth it for the Easter to be here and with each other. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. The Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we are starting Holy Week as we have gathered here together on this Palm Sunday, which means if you gave something up for Lent, you're in the home stretch. You're almost there, right? But of course, way more importantly than that is that it is the passion of the Christ. This week, more so than any other part of our church and remembering of what goes on in church, is the week where we stand amazed at what Jesus Christ was willing to do for us and his love that's displayed fully through this week and through the events that we retell. And of course, Christianity really, if Jesus at this point, if this gospel's ended with basically him triumphal entering into Jerusalem, there would be no Christianity. Because the core of what Christianity is happens this week. And so I hope that you take time to come to be part of our events and our, our special services to be part of that. And the most important aspects of our faith are retold this week. I hope that you're there. Well, as we st heard this story of Jesus entering in Jerusalem, I want to just reflect on it and a number of things that takes place. As mentioned in the reading, as we read, that Jesus, of course, is coming into Jerusalem for this final time. And he comes in, and what's amazing about this to me is that he goes out of his way to make sure that one of the prophecies of the Old Testament comes true. Now, many times when you're reading, especially like the Gospel of Matthew points out time and time again where Jesus is upholding the different, the different prophecies of who the Christ was supposed to be. But it's real interesting that when Jesus came to Jerusalem, he purposely set his disciples out to go find anything but a cult, right? Had to be a cult, had to be unwritten, and they had to bring it. And he even told them, hey, when somebody tells you about it, because, you know, people don't like their cults normally just wandering off. When somebody questions you about it, tell them it's for the Lord, which is kind of an interesting point, but nonetheless, he tells them that, and his disciples go and get it. And so when he grabs that colt, and as many of you know, a, a colt is a, just the a donkey, if you will. It's the, it's the small, uh, miniature, kind of young donkey, and never been ridden, and Jesus rides it. And so first of all, there's a whole lot to be said there about the stubbornness of donkeys and colts, and yet Jesus is able to lead it and go in to Jerusalem. And it's so interesting that Matthew quotes this, but Luke does leaves it out. He wants you to just automatically see it yourself. But it comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And if you go all the way back to Zechariah, who was a, a prophet in the days of when Israel had come, or Jews had basically come back from exile and were rebuilding Jerusalem and the places around it, there was this prophecy. And I want you to hear it. Comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. You see, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Just to give you a little excerpt from there. And so Jesus, in this moment, while he could have just walked into Jerusalem, makes time to go get the colt and ride in on the colt. And what I find so enamoring about that is that in a lot of times in the Gospels to this point, Jesus has been doing these miracles, doing these things, but he goes, shh, don't tell anybody. 
And it's amazing when you read through the Gospels how many times Jesus tries to, like, quell people down. Like, don't go tell everybody. Just go do your thing. Be happy. The time's not yet. And at this point, Jesus is proclaiming himself. Because the people knew in that moment exactly what Jesus was doing. And they saw him coming down. And they knew the scripture in Zechariah. And they saw him coming down on this cult. And they knew the scripture. And so what did they do? They acted like he was proclaiming himself king. One of the interesting stories that happens in the Bible is a story in 2 Kings chapter 9, and it's one where Jehu all of a sudden becomes pronounced king by the prophet Elisha, and the people around him are unprepared for this, and they don't really understand what happens, and Jehu tells them, well, this is what Elisha did. He anointed me king, and because it took him off guard, they didn't know what to do, so they took off their cloaks and laid it down on the stone before him so that he would step on them as a symbol of you are the king. And so the, the people who were there had no idea what else to do, but they knew this story as well. So they saw the king coming in. And so what they did was not only did they cut the branches, the leafy branches down and wave them on that day, proclaiming Hosanna in the highest. But the scripture says they took off their cloaks and laid them on the ground before. You can imagine that colt just going over them. What I find so amazing about that part of the story is that Jesus is pronouncing himself king, undoubtedly, in this moment. And the people's response was to recognize, you are the king. And for maybe, maybe this first time in scripture where the people are publicly declaring it, Jesus is publicly declaring it, and it's a loud shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they shout all these things. And Jesus declares himself king. Now in our own lives, we all have a choice at some point to make. Each and every single one of us has that moment where we either keep the cloak on or we take it off and lay it down. Maybe you're here today and you've never declared Jesus Christ as king or Lord of your life. But know this, the Lord has been tender and merciful. Just like in the Gospels up to this point, he's been very peaceful, very approachable. But there comes a point where he is to be declared. Maybe in your own life you've reached that point where God is just nudging on your heart in this moment of, am I your king or not? And if that nudging's on your soul today, it's never too late to take off that cloak and lay it down on the road before the king. Of course, there's a second part of this, is there's a problem. Because if Jesus is declaring himself king, there's also a king in Jerusalem. His name's Herod. But to make matters even worse, there's also a king in Rome who's called Caesar, who's specifically this time the Caesar Tiberius. And there's a little problem with that. In fact, when you read the story just a minute ago, you, you heard in Luke's account how the Pharisees look at Jesus and they tell him, hey, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because what were they proclaiming? They're proclaiming the king is here. And of course, this is right before Passover, one of the holiest parts of the Jewish year and how they're about to celebrate the Exodus and remember the story of God making them into the people who they were. They didn't want trouble with Rome right now, and yet this was being proclaimed, and you can imagine the soldiers of Rome sitting there watching this happen and drawing their eyes to not only Jesus and his disciples, but his eyes to the Jewish leaders saying, what are you going to do about this? Because they're declaring a king. That's not okay. And Jesus responded to them. He said, you know what? When he was telling, when they told him to rebuke his disciples, he said, if they stay quiet, the stones will cry out. 
So not only is this Jesus proclaiming, but this was the time for the disciples and the people who followed God to stand up and to proclaim. I found it amazing in stories of just watching pop culture every now and then. And I'm not the biggest pop culture nerd. You've probably gathered that by now. I don't really watch the People magazines or like, you know, the TMZ shows or whatever and all that. I just, I don't know, at some point in my life, I didn't care at all. And maybe you're there, maybe you haven't been, but that was kind of my life. But there's been points where I've been amazed, where I've just randomly caught at the right time public television, right? Like the big anchored television stations, somebody boldly proclaiming Christ in an amazing way, where you just sit back and you're like, we just had church. Like on national television, like we just had church. And I remember for me, there was a moment, uh, it was Kathy Lee Gifford, actually, when Billy Graham passed away and they were interviewing her. She actually had a, I didn't realize this until the interview, but she was very close to the Billy Graham family and knew them very, very well uh, throughout her years and did a lot of different ministries and fundraisers through not only their efforts, but other efforts that were linked and together to help the world. And I remember Kathy Lee Gifford just suddenly started preaching it. I mean, she was declaring Jesus Christ as Lord, like, and she was still an anchor and all that stuff. And I just remember in that moment being like, that grabbed my attention, like, holy moly. It was kind of like, I don't know if you ever saw, I don't know, I've never watched like two episodes of Oprah, but somehow I caught the very last Oprah show, and at the very end of it, I don't know if you ever saw it, but at the like, last you know, 30 seconds, she just starts going off about how Jesus is Lord and glory to him and all this stuff, and you're like, <laughs> wow. But there are so many times in our world where we have to be tactful. There's so many times where we know that there's a cost to proclaim, but yet there is points where God sets in our hearts that this is the time. And if we don't cry out and boldly proclaim, the rocks will do it for us. And so in our own life, maybe you're at a point in your own life where you look at your life and you'd say, you know what, I've had to been hiding for too long. Maybe at my work, maybe in a situation of life, maybe in maybe my own family's life, maybe in somebody's life that I've just tried to do the best I can. And, you know, there's all the rules and regulations, but someone is hurting, someone needs Jesus, and it's time to proclaim. The Pharisees rebuked Jesus, told him to rebuke his disciples, and yet Jesus said, nope. We know there's a king in Rome. We know there's a king in Jerusalem. It's time to proclaim. And this week reminds us that maybe there's a price to pay, but the time, there's always that time where God can nudge us, that it's time to proclaim, to be bold, to pay the price if we have to, but yet we declare it because it's true. And our Lord has declared it for himself that he is the king and our rightful place is to declare him such. The other third thing that I would mention to you as I remember this story this year and it means so much, especially the way Luke recounts it, that when Jesus had gotten up on that mountain olives and they had done all the cloaks and waved the palm branches, he starts approaching Jerusalem. And as he looks down on Jerusalem, he remembers the stories how Jerusalem time and time again has turned away from the Father. And in so many ways, God has worked out and reached out to them. And even in this moment, the Pharisees have already proven and other religious leaders have proven that they are not going to accept Jesus as Lord. We read in the Gospels how they're actually plotting to kill him. Jesus knows this. He's denounced the disciples that I'm going to die. And said it multiple times at this point of the Gospel of Luke. And yet he looks down on this city with his back to his followers, who's cheering him on, waving their branches, and the king of glory as he enters Jerusalem weeps. 
And I find that so moving. Because Jesus goes on after he says, he pronounces basically that what's going to happen to Jerusalem for not believing and basically their unbelief, not just doubt, but their true unbelief and obstinate hearts to believe what God is doing before them. Yet even so doing, he mourns for them. And he knows in a few days these people will crucify him. But he weeps because he loves them so much. They are his enemies by every right. But he mourns for them and weeps for them at his greatest triumphal entry. Whoever you are here today, maybe you've considered yourself or maybe your home and you consider yourself that you are the one of the biggest enemies of Christ, that you have worked time and time again. But I want you to know this, if I could plant one seed in your life today from this story, is Jesus is weeping. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see anger. He doesn't see, hey, I wanted justice. I want to bring down fire and brimstone upon you just because. He weeps because he wishes that it could have been different. And in fact, that's exactly what he says in that story. Right at the beginning, he says, if you, even you, had only known this day what could bring you peace, and that what could bring you peace was Jesus Christ himself. Jesus cares for all of us so deeply, and those that accept him as Lord come to know this in a special way. But even if you have never done so, realize here, today, here, and now, Jesus loves you, and the rest of this week, he's trying to prove it to you. So I challenge you to relive this story once again, because Jesus wants the best for you, and he's doing everything he can to change your heart and your mind. The very last thing I'd offer to you here today, and it's something that we just got to talk about, and I know as when we preach in modern today, it's not always the biggest thing that we want to preach about, but I got to just say it because it's the gospel, is the threat is real. When Jesus preaches here today on the triumphal entry, he starts telling them what's going to happen to Jerusalem. That truly it is going to be destroyed and the wrath is going to come down upon it. The wrath that has been sowed by them themselves and their unbelief and their obstinate hearts. That at some point God is going to say, enough, I'll give you what you want. Take it. My, my protection is away from you. Have fun. And what happens but their destruction? The threat is absolutely real. And in fact, unlike some maybe other pastors that I encounter sometimes, Good Friday was not an accident. It wasn't just something that happened to a good man named Jesus. But Jesus knew it was coming. The crucifixion was a threat for all of us. It was something all of us rightly deserved and rightly deserve even now. Yet Jesus took that destruction upon himself. He died for us. And that threat that really loomed over us, he took upon himself so that we didn't have to go through it or deserve it, or need it, that is. That he took upon himself what we deserved. The threat was real, but the good news is better. As we continue to worship this week, we're going to be reliving these moments. And I challenge you to not only proclaim Jesus to not only boldly shout Jesus and cry out before the rocks do, but only to remember Jesus, his love, and how much he cares for even those who are lost so deeply, but to remember once again, he paid the price for us. He loves us so much.
Let's do our part and be moved once again to not only proclaim as in his Lord, but to come to his altar and give all of ourselves to him. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your word and how moved we are to once again remember these facts. That Jesus Christ in this triumphal entry, there were points where just it would surprise us. And that, God, you love us more than we can ever imagine. So, Lord, as we go through this week, help us to worship you with everything we are. Help transform us once again even deeper than we have ever experienced. And lead us again to that cross, that empty tomb, that once again your glory could be received in us and lived out among this world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.